Let's value the Australian way this Easter at Coles. And to help make your Easter shopping easier, we've added thousands of extra home delivery windows and thousands of extra click and collect windows. Shop online at coles.com.au. Millions of despairing men, women and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and seed to the far corners of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. One million of the planet's eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. Epstein didn't kill himself. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazis. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the US Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Doom. Welcome back into the Garden of Doom, and we're welcoming back an old friend. Mitch Greenberg is here, and this episode's topic is going to be gargoyles. Yep, you've seen them all over the place. You've seen them on buildings. Sometimes they're not gargoyles, sometimes they are. Maybe you saw the movie in the 1970s, a, a sort of a guilty pleasure of mine. Maybe you remember the cartoon that uh, was sort of a, you know, sort of like a Thundercats type of thing. Um, who knows? But we're going to talk about gargoyles, the history, the uh some of it's a, a little banal, and then we're going to go into some of the theories uh, behind it, and uh, maybe we'll get a little esoteric. And uh, uh, Mitch is a lawyer, which he will tell you. So, of course, he sent me a 17-page outline, uh, <laughs> this, uh, but there's a lot of pop culture, too. So we're, de we're definitely going to have some fun. You may remember uh, Mitchell is not just a trial lawyer. He is also a world-class, world champion martial artist in the form of a scrimma. He's a daredevil fanatic and definitely a comic book geek. And the two of us spent quite a bit of time tearing to shreds Wonder Woman 84. So uh, without further ado, Mitchell, thank you for coming back into the Garden Doom. Welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me back. I had a lot of fun last time. You know, it's uh, a couple of days ago, out of nowhere, someone came up to me and said, uh, you know, I happened to hear that podcast. Uh, did you really hate the movie that much, Wonder Woman? I said, the first time I did, the second time, I still hated the ending, but it wasn't that bad until that point. 
See, I did see it a second time. I, I didn't bother to go back. Now, Aquaman, I did see a second time. And did I hate it as much? Maybe more. I felt bad about the second time. I felt really stupid for spending the time to get all the way through. Because I kept wanting to turn off, but I was watching this someone who'd never seen it. And I'm just thinking, there's so many better movies. That yeah. And that's how I feel about the Eternals because it's having like a slow motion Aquaman effect on me. And I love the concept of the Eternals so much. I mean, anyone who's listened to the show, you know, more than 10 episodes can put two and two together there as to why. But I'm afraid to watch it a second time because all the things that have been slowing, creeping into my logical consciousness as to why I should hate it are starting to make themselves make themselves more frontal. And I, I don't want to watch the movie again just to realize what I hate. I, and, and, I don't, and I don't think I have the ability to train myself to just focus on the things that I think are interesting because I'm a nitpicker. That's what I do. I mean, you know, we're lawyers. We sort of, we, we spot issues and we poke holes just instinctively. That's how, if we weren't wired to do that beforehand, that's how we're trained. And you and I, we, you know, I, I'm in my 29th year. I think you're a little bit older than me, so you're in your, you know, well into your, huh? One, one year. One year. So okay, so so we're both at three decades of doing this. So even if we were optimists 31 years ago, we certainly, you know, don't think that way. You know, we're still wired to think in a in a certain uh, scrutinous type of way. Anyway, this show has nothing to do with those things, or does it? So we're going to talk about gargoyles. Mitchell has done a lot of research into gargoyles. I did some as well. I actually interviewed someone, <laughs> and I'm sorry for the audience because I, I advertised this episode, um, but it was with a witch, and literally the audio file disappeared, but only that audio file, as if someone, like a hacker, came in and only took that audio file, like nothing else. No, nothing else was corrupted. There's no sign of it, not on the hard drive anywhere. So I actually think that there was uh, uh, either... She had second thoughts or a rival witch actually did something. Like if I didn't believe in magic before, I certainly do now because because there, there's no other signs of corruption anywhere. And, you know, the logical answer is, Jeff, you just didn't, just didn't hit record. And yeah, yes, I did. I mean, I, I, could, I could see the lines and I could see the lines when I, when I stopped it. And they go, you know, they go from green to gray and they went from green to gray. And there they were, um, but no longer. Anyway. So there's a little digression. Oh, but she it, she gave me a little education in gargoyles, and um, and it matches with a lot of what Mitchell's produced. But Mitchell, please take it away, my friend. You, you just gave the absolute perfect segue when you're talking about that thing going from green to gray. My first first interaction with gargoyles that I can remember was in the comic books. There was a a super villain called Gray Gargoyle. <laughs> Used to fight Thor, Hulk. Uh, he was up against Captain. He was up against everyone. Sure. And to me, he was similar to Black Adam. In that I was actually afraid of him. I, this fictional character. Yet every time I saw him, for some reason, those two, not anyone else, I was straight up afraid. When I read the comics, you're talking about two immortals who are uh, who you, you virtually can't beat. Uh, Black Adam was, was uh, Shazam Plus, and he was just scary looking. And uh, Great Gargoyle, I don't know if you read him as a kid, I, I did send you information on him. It's a guy who, he was a chemist, and, and uh, flashlight, there's chemicals splashed on him, and he can turn his body to stone, 
His right hand can turn anything to stone it touches, and it can turn himself into living stone. He, he essentially rubs himself all over. So <laughs> once he rubs out his stone form, he's pretty much invulnerable. And uh, just, like, how do you beat a guy like that? Thor's hammer didn't really work on him much. So that was my introduction to Gargoyles. I was a huge geek as far as mythology and supernatural and just the stuff that people believe in. And much like you, I like to try to figure out why the belief is so powerful and just why it grabs so hard. So reading more into the Gargoyle legends, it's fascinating how people think. And and then see how it changes. Something that started so simple has become so transmuted into other things. It's become like a crowded houses, or was this crowd who did something so strong? Something, uh, this, was that crowded house? Might have been. I don't know. Crowded house simply red. I get them all confused. All those sort of like mid to late eighties, you know, sort of like soft rock British bands. Oh, there's so many. Sorry. Oh, so speaking of uh, rock, I went last night and saw uh, the Reagan years. Oh, really? Have you ever seen them? No, but well, you know the 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 one I saw. I saw it with you, you and you and Stephanie. But but that wasn't them. But no, right. We have a lot of really good local ones, and they're good every time. I saw them on New Year's, Reagan years in Virginia. Very cool. Very it's cool. It's nice to hear all the songs you know and just chill. Yeah, the last concert I saw was Foreigner. Foreigner. That so, was my second album from my bar mitzvah. The, the, the first was Steve Martin. The second was Foreigner. They, they literally played their greatest hits. That was it. They were done. It was like a, it was the perfect concert. It was like an hour and fifteen minutes, no intermission. Good night, everyone. Thanks. Okay, see ya. At, at our age, it's absolutely perfect. Thank Even better you. if we were in bed watching it, but yeah, you can't always do that. No, 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 no. No private shows like that. No, no, not not not, not so lucky. Uh, so, yeah. so in in doing the research, what what surprised you? That, well, should we tell people what gargoyles are in case they have no idea? Yeah, I think so. So, originally, the word itself comes from French, as so many do, and it simply means uh, girdle yep. uh, or throat. It, two possible meanings. But, uh, it's water. It, it's just it's spitting water. And there's a myth of a, of a sea serpent who had the power to create tidal waves and to uh, to spit water. He was vanquished by, of course, a a saint, Saint Romanus. And what's lovely about the story, for the religious uh, devotees, he subdued this dragon simply by making the sign of a cross with two fingers. Took all the, the serpent's power away, then he chained him up, took him to a church where, uh, in the town where he had been harassing and eating the townspeople, and they burned him. They burned the dragon. So what they did then was churches, I guess a lot of churches have flat roofs or flat-ish roofs, Whatever, they would have spouts to divert the water from the roof so it doesn't pour down the side of the church. Sometimes they have artwork. And these spouts would project out, I don't know, a foot, maybe two feet. But they would definitely to take the water away from the side of the building and to get it off the roof. Right, to prevent water erosion to the, to the building. Exactly. And this is nothing new. I mean, the, the Egyptians and, and lots of ancient cultures figured this out hundreds, if not thousands of years before. They just didn't necessarily use the traditional, what we think of gargoyle, which is, you know, I guess you call them a goblin with wings or demon, whatever you want to call them. 
yeah, so well, so the funny thing is the original gargoyle only means uh, the, the, the water channel. So they would decorate, sometimes they were decorated as people, sometimes things, but over time they became to mostly look like some kind of monster. And that uh, kind of solidified to what we're used to seeing, the winged uh, stone creature, kind of scary looking. Yeah. But what, when you watch modern fiction, stories, the, the, the TV show from the, was it, the 90s, show from not, not, which I started watching, by the way. Very <laughs> good. Very much like Batman Beyond, kind of, but uh, I liked it more than, no, actually I knew I would like it, but I did like it. Uh, what people consider gargoyles, these winged creatures who fly, those were actually called grotesques, the ones that didn't have the drain coming out of the mouth. Right, and and basically all monsters or sort of chimera on uh, walls on architecture are grotesques. So yes. all gargoyles are grotesques, but not all grotesques are gargoyles. Gargoyles are a specific kind of grotesque. Get that Venn diagram going. Absolutely. That's, that's right. See, the thing that, that got me so... I, I knew about the architectural stuff um, somewhat, but what what... I can't reconcile, and, and obviously it's we're not going to jump straight to that, is that if you've got churches, why not make them angels? You know, make them some angelic or biblical characters or, you know, so, you know some sort of more positive image. So we'll, we'll, we'll stick a pin in that and come back to it, because I think we still need to go through the exposition of the architectural purpose and the differences and everything that you're doing. Okay. Because uh, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about your question of how human nature really, really plays into, I think, where we're going to find some answers. Oh, you'll have your chance to ruminate. Don't worry. Um, so what have, um, what I find fascinating, some of these gargoyles, some of these old churches, they put a lot of time into carving these, sculpting these. Mm -hmm. These are not just moment-by-moment -moment whims. Uh, I, I saw a lot of beautiful pictures. I guess you saw some, too. Now, I've, I've been to Notre Dame before it was burned down, obviously, and uh, I have a picture somewhere of myself, you know, embracing gargoyles. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Gargoyles, they also used to be sunglasses, gargoyles. Uh, that, I don't know. It, it was my the favorite sunglasses I ever had. That was the brand, gargoyle. Yes, yes it was. I was like 20 years old. They were comfortable, the great optics. Cheaper than Rebo's. Uh, it was a good deal. Well, umbrellas would make more sense, right? Well, it's hard to run you know, like a half marathon with an umbrella. It's, it's a lot more wind resistance. Oh, for sure. But gargoyles don't protect from the sun. They protect from water. That's correct. And and in fact, uh, yeah, the, the original one was killed by fire. So that would not be yeah. your go-to. <laughs> and, and and like the, the, the serpent tormenting is, you know, I mean, it, it goes back. I mean, you have the Midgard serpent. You have Typhon, the the, the serpent grief mythology. Uh, that there's there's I mean, there's serpents in like every mythos possible, in, in, including the serpent in the Garden of Eden. So you know, so serpents are sort of like the uh, perennial bad guy. It seems the one thing that all cultures on Earth can agree on the one thing is that serpents bad. I have read. Now, I, so how do you feel about, about snakes? Are you hard? They say people are hardwired to fear arachnids and snakes. Um, 
I don't think I'm any more fearful of snakes than of anything else, but here in Maryland, the snakes tend to be pretty small and not dangerous, and I know that. So I see a snake, I'm not scared of it. I, you know, it might be a, a small shock because you don't expect to see a snake like, like I, ex- like you expect to see a squirrel, rabbit, or a deer around here, even a fox. But it's you know, it, but it's more like a fox. You, you, you know, you see a fox and you know that it could be dangerous, but like, you know, ninety nine point nine 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 times, it's not going to be dangerous to a human. Um, like I'd be more fearful of a rat than a snake or a fox. Like if I saw a big spider though, I, I don't know. Like if I saw like a king cobra or or I heard a rattle, I mean, I mean, a lot of things would go through my mind, but I think fear would definitely be the emotion. I was with my son uh, when he was going out to visit colleges on the West Coast. We were in LA, we were hiking, we were early. So we're hiking on the trail and we see some guy messing around on the, with some grass on the side. There's a rattlesnake, and he's like poking it, and screwing with it. I got so pissed off at the guy. Get the hell away from that, that thing. Why? I'm just just having fun. Okay. Just, yeah. He walked away quickly enough because I was really fired up. My son was horrified. I, I'd be for the snake in that case. I mean, I you know, I, I, I was totally for the snake. Absolutely. I mean, it, it wasn't hurting anyone, nor did it want to. And this guy is just torturing. Right, it's not. It's not like it can eat a person. It can eat a mouse. You know, it's, it's, it's they're, they're pretty small. Um, but yeah, uh, and I know someone out there is saying, "Well, what about the Chinese dragons?" And I'm not entirely sure that the Asian dragons are serpents, although they're long and serpentine. So, but I, I accept that as an exception to the everyone on Earth maybe doesn't agree. And 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 now I realize that that part of Asia is an enormous part of the world. It would be a gigantic exception. So uh, it's like saying everybody loves this pizza except for two slices out of the eight slice pizza. So got it. To check. Right. Jeff was wrong. But but in, most cultures do have giant serpents of some sort. Uh, the, the Chinese have good and bad, but the, the Chinese dragons are divine. Yeah. So they're, uh, I guess, maybe beyond good or bad. If they're divine, I, it depends on your perspective. You know, I haven't made my way that far enough east yet in Garden of Doom, but I'm, I'm slowly working that way. I, I'm now sort of, I, I, I now have solid contacts in the Iranic people's Persian areas, and that will lead me ever eastern. Um, so, I, you know, I, I hope to do it a little bit methodically, but, you know, guests beget guests, and I'll, I'll go in the order that I find the, the people that, you know, you know, are experts in those categories. But yes, I th- this show will not be over, uh, you know, unless someone kicks me off the air or, uh, you know, until I make my way all the way to through the Sea of Japan and, and to the Pacific. So my little bit of knowledge about lots of supernatural creatures goes back to middle school playing Dungeons and Dragons. Of course. That Mon- Monster Manual came out, God's Demigods and Heroes came out. It was just fascinating because they gave you enough history to have some context plus uh, plus hit points. So it was just all the goodness. Yeah, but I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, if you're like me, and I think you are a little bit, uh, you were pre-wired for this stuff through the C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia and, and Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and the Cimmerillion. I mean, we we were already familiar with a whole host of these, anim- you know, these kinds of creatures and, you know, and... and Probably, uh, you know, D- Disney movies and, you know, uh, Greek mythology and those uh, 
Harry Harryhausen movies. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, you know, again, interest beget interest, and you start. You know, I, I mean, you know, people used to flip through channels, but there there were only like seven channels to flip through. So you know, if if the choice was the news, a game show, or Sinbad or Jason the Argonauts, Jason the Argonauts it was, you know, or Sinbad it was. Yeah. My, it's funny when I think of zombies, and maybe you're in, if you read the book, you're in the same boat. I'm thinking Cauldron Born. Oh yeah, you mean the Black right. Cauldron? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that, that was that was that was I think the first series I read. It was five books. I think that was that was uh-huh. grade school. Karen Wanderer, the Book of uh, Book of Three, and I was very afraid of that cauldron. And, and then, then they made that uh, the you know uh, movie, the cartoon, wasn't good version. Black Cauldron. I don't, I don't remember liking that, but they, but they made the movie of Lord of the Rings. It was like sort of animation, sort of like live action, but they did animation over the live people, which was yeah. a, little, a little bit weird, but that was a cool movie. It was. It's amazing what people can do. These cinematographers. Yeah, in the 70s. So, yeah. Um, okay, so Gargoyles. <laughs> Gargoyles. So, uh, let's see. So there, there's so many different kinds that people confuse them with. Uh, the ones that don't have a pipe coming out of their face, which I guess, I don't know, it, it, the, the word gargoyle just sounds cooler. Although grotesque does sound pretty cool, gargoyle is more specific. Yeah, yeah gross. So, uh, yeah. Why do you think, other than people misapplying all kinds of terminology, why do you think the term gargoyle has, been, has become applied to things that aren't, by definition? Oh, I mean, I, I think that that's pretty simple probably is that it's just easy it's you know it's it's lazy if 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 the gargoyles are the most famous of the grotesque you would you know i think most people would think that gargoyles are you know are represent everything that's uh, you know some sort of architectural monster creature that's you know i don't think anyone looks at i mean there are angels and cherubs on the sides of buildings and uh, you know, I don't think anybody says, oh, that's a gargoyle. But if you saw like a lion with wings and you know it's a sphinx, you probably would say, oh, a gargoyle. Um, you know, or, 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 you know, I don't know, a giant spider with claws or whatever. Uh, you, you know, I, I just think it's, a, it's an easy, it's a, you know, far more relevant word to the zeitgeist um, than grotesque is. And I also suspect if you do attribute any kind of supernatural life to them, any kind of presence to them, then they can animate. And if they're going to animate, they're not going to be walking around trailing a, a 30-foot pipe out of their mouth. Yeah, I, I would hope not. Uh, you know, maybe the pipe turns into a spear or something. You know, you never know. I mean, if they're going to animate, I mean, you know, they're going to turn to a, a different, you know, a form of life. You'd think that the pipe would turn into to something as well. Yeah, I guess. Or just there, you know, just spitting water out continuously, still preserving the edifice, the facade of the wall, protecting it from erosion. So I'm guessing most of your listeners did not watch the Gargoyles uh, cartoon series. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that. I mean, most of the audience is in the U.S. and Canada. There's a good amount in the U.K. and Australia. And then there's a, a bunch that are spread out over other places. But, I mean, I would think that most of them have heard of it. As far as age is concerned, to be frank, I don't look at that. Uh, I'm not even sure exactly how. Um, I don't want to guess. I've never watched the cartoon Gargoyles in in full, or at least not that I remember. So, I mean, 
I don't know. It's like I was sort of done with like the, the He-Man formula. There's X amount of good guys, X amount of bad guys. Every now and then they introduce new characters. Nobody dies. Nobody ever wins. It's sort of like the eternal dualistic struggle of, of okay. you know, frustration. It's like, you know, Cobra and G.I. Joe, Transformers, the you know, Thundercats, you name it. The, it, it was all the same, you know, after, after you got used to the look. And, you know, I had sort of had enough. So what amazed me about the, the series, the three seasons, uh, the the uh, guests, the, the stars, the voice actors in it, some of them, were, I was just so thrilled when I heard the voice. So Ed Asner is in it, <laughs> but Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis, uh the writer and Troy from Star Trek Next Generation are in it. I think Jonathan Frakes is one of the coolest guys ever. Uh, he's directed so many episodes of so many things. Plus, Riker is just a, an awesome. Well, awesome you, you you need to listen to the Star Trek episodes and get in, and get in touch with uh, our guest L L uh, McDowell on, on that one. Um, so that's that's her favorite character too, and she'll tell you the story about her how her father went to the same high school or, or played football against or something with Jonathan really? Franks. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while she's still in town, she's moving to Portland soon. She said so on the on a show that's been published, so I can say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, some people think that the gargoyles, uh, before getting to the cartoon, that, that they're guarding churches from evil. Um, and that was always sort of my presumption as to why else would they be there, sort of like almost like a scarecrow effect. Uh, but I don't know. It, it doesn't. It doesn't really present as friendly and welcoming i mean it's it's almost like a, a architectural inconsistency it's a, you know it's almost yeah inconsistency isn't the word i'm looking for um but it's it's in that vein where it's confusing why why would you have these scary monster like things you know protecting your walls when it should be something you know more i mean there are archangels that have swords of fire and then actually, you know, regular soldier angels of swords of fire that can, you know, you would think their image could protect the church as much. So why did, why did we choose this particular image other than the, you know, France was sort of the heart of the Catholic church that was in the Vatican for a long time. And the legend of the gargoyle, the uh, water serpent, I mean, maybe that was just so powerful that, you know, everyone sort of copied it. When I was a, when I was a kid, and nights where I'd be scared of the dark, scared of vampires coming, and, and things like that, because of course I watched all the movies, I used to wish that I could be a werewolf. And why would I wish that? I wished it because the monsters never snuck into the bedrooms of other monsters. So if I was a werewolf, I'd be safe in bed from a vampire or something else, uh, because I'm, I'm a peer. Because they, I would not be a victim. Maybe. Wait, 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 wait. Your blanket didn't protect you from monsters. Uh, only from all the way under, and then I start sweating and start asphyxiating. Oh, my, yeah. bl- my blanket. Any, any minimal contact with my blanket is absolute protection against monsters. Always has. Well, been. you would have your childhood, obviously. <laughs> but so my thought is, the French are looking at maybe one thing they're thinking is we're protecting from evil things, and if we have evil, strong things on our side. It's going to be a more effective deterrent than the things that they're naturally at war with, which might even attract them to fight. 
That that is certainly a part of it. I mean, I, I know that you pointed out, and 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 I've read this in other places and heard it on YouTube and whatnot. That uh, that they're sort of representative of Christ's victory over Satan, although the gargoyles themselves are never specifically attributed as being uh, satanic or part of demons. But when you put them in the image of what a lot of people think in their heads, what's a demon, you know, a vampire, or whatever. Um, that I mean, that makes sense. You know, the, the, the church, God turned them to stone, uh, and now they're they're the guardians. I mean, th there is something to that, though. I mean, aside from the gray guard girl, the most famous turner to stoner, um, <laughs> that's a strange phrase that was Medusa, who hardly was doing it, uh, you know, to you know praise anyone. She, you know, she was a gorgon, and you know, it might have been accidental at times, but you know. Mostly, nothing good came of it. it, it it's, I mean, you can come up with countless theories for how people thought a few hundred years ago, but yeah, it. it from my own perspective, uh, if if you're on par with something, you don't really have to be afraid of it. I think that that is a, a fairly good Psych 101 answer to why it might be, and Psych 101 does explain, uh, you know, probably something like ninety percent of human behavior. So. That, so that, that yeah, that that's entirely possible. Now, of course, I have my own wild Jeff theory, but I think we can we can get into the more discussion after we go through uh, uh, the outline that you so dutifully, dutifully in detail put put into faith. So uh, on, onto paper. So yeah. So continue with your exposition, and I'll chime in as usual. Well, I, I think that was it, and I don't want to. Uh, I, I know you want to build to your, your theory, so I don't want to <laughs> hit that topic too hard. Okay. Uh, before we get there, uh, I, it's gargoyles are so ubiquitous in culture and in, in fiction. You, you can't talk to anyone who doesn't have some idea of what it is. But in this country, they're not super prevalent in architecture. No, not so, super prevalent. But they are in pop culture. I mean, I mean, I can't remember. It was, there was a movie recently where, like, like, the hero was, like, talking to two gargoyles who were sort of watched people over the city. And it was, like, a, it was like either a man and a woman, like a husband and wife that was sort of bickering. Or, like, you know, like two women who, you, you know, characters who you think have been, like, sort of gossiping, you know, forever. Almost like Statler and Waldorf from The Muppets, except in female form. Uh, well, f female voices, but gargoyle form. Um, and I remember the hero didn't get any satisfactory answers to them and sort of went off. I, 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 I want to say Spider-Man, but it doesn't sound like a Spider-Man thing. It doesn't matter. Someone yeah. out there will know. But, but you know, they, 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 they're obviously on buildings. But, I, I mean, I think, you know, that a lot of it is just random architects, you know, sort of borrowing from other architectural schemes or, you know, wanting to have decorations or something to be there, you know, the sign, it's their work in, you know, Manhattan or Chicago or whatever. I mean, you know, the churches is where I, I think that it's, you know, important because, you know, I, there, there are no gargoyles on synagogues that I'm aware of or mosques that I'm aware of or, you know, Hindu temples or, you know, I, I mean, I think gargoyles are uniquely a, Christian church thing and possibly uniquely Catholic? I, I, I think everything we see is, is Catholic. Certainly the origin is Catholic. Yeah, I don't I, I don't recall seeing them anywhere else. Well, 
here's my theory, and this is not exactly breaking news to the frequent listeners of the show, but you know, I I've often said, I mean, not the basis of the show is that I notice a lot of cross-cultural, pan-cultural, pan-geographic similarities in myths, legends, flood myths, origin stories around the world that, that you know really couldn't be dismissed. And I'm not the only person to do it. People have made careers on this. Uh, I mean, you know, you've got Zachariah Sitchin, you've got uh, Graham Hancock, you've got Eric Von Danigan. I mean, and, and those are just the people that have written books since the, the 60s. I mean, you know, I'm sure there were people thinking about it long and long before. And, and there's a long history of religions copying from other religions and sort of usurping and, in fact, building their own houses of worship over prior houses of worship. And, you know, sort of even like in Voodoo and Santeria, they, they, they just took the names of pagan gods and, you know, you know, took saints, you know, that, that had similar attributes and said, well, this is, you know, saint whatever instead of, you know, Anansi or whatever. Um, so anyway, I'm more inclined to believe that there's something else that's not divine, but was interpreted as divine. Um, I'm also not exactly sure that it is benevolent. Um, I think the history of humanity shows that there's been more malevolence than benevolence uh, in our history, though there is a a gigantic counter argument to that, and that's that our population keeps growing. So, you know, we shouldn't overlook that, and nor do I. However, I think it's sort of like a, it's a joke. It's sort of an F you. Because people say, they say the, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing humanity he didn't exist. I, I, I don't agree with that. First of all, there is no the devil. There is no, the, the devil is a rather modern construct. There were, Fallen angels, which were later called demons or, or whatever, and you can call them the fallen, you can call them the watchers, you can call them demons. Satan in, in the Old Testament was but one. He was he was a angel of God's, the, the accuser. He was tasked with the the tests of Lot to test Lot's faith, but doing God's bidding. That's that's the only Satan written in the Old Testament. Now there's there's Satan-sounding demons in other legends in this. There's Shaitan, um, and I think Saitan in in further Eastern mythos, whether it's Canaan or, or Babylonian or Sumerian or Persian. I, I think they all have similar names. Um, not necessarily the, the same being enough. Anyway, point being is that I think the greatest trick that the devil and the devil is collectively. Because he, even in even in in the war against God thing, it wasn't one. It was two hundred archangels that, that rebelled, and there were seven lieutenants named. And so, and Satan wasn't even one of those in, in the leadership role. Uh, nor was Lucifer. Or Lucifer came later. I mean, it was like Azazel and and, and all, all these other names that you know probably very few people have heard of. Um, so. The devil is writ large. That's that's this group, and I think the, the the biggest trick that they ever pulled is making us think that God is God when really the devil writ, writ large is what we've been uh, not we but most of the monotheistic Abrahamic religions have been worshiping all along, um, and that whatever the good side is is somewhere where they can't do much about it. 
And I think it's a F you. I think it's a little joke. I think uh, we're, they're putting, they're telling us who they are in plain sight. That's what, that is my little conspiracy theory that the gargoyles are just there on, on the first organized church, the Catholic church, uh, Catholic with a large C. Uh, and the reason it's called Catholic is because Catholic with a lowercase C means universal. It was the only church. It was the universal truth or it was supposed to be. Um, and so that's, that, that, that's what I think is that, that they knew it and, and it's saying, huh, look, we're right here in front of you and you still don't even know. I'm, I'm following along. It's, yeah. uh, you, you covered a lot of stuff right there. Right. I told you I was a snake all along. So that's it. Ta-da! That's, that's the grand reveal of, of my theory of gargoyles. So do you think that, well, so... Again, I, I, don't, I don't know that I was clear. So you think the motivation of the French for putting them on the churches, those images, was a fuck you to, to someone? I don't think that the French who put it on there necessarily knew what they were doing. I think that the architects might have been told to do something by someone who knew what they were doing or were told to do it for the reasons that are stated in text or the, 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 the theories. that. So somewhere along the line, some somebody like I'm not ready to go down ten families or anything like that, or fourteen families that rules them all, um, you know, because that always goes down dangerous paths. Um, but you know, so there was some influence that said this is a good idea, and you know, it was like Jedi or vampiric glamour. Yeah, it's a good idea, and you know, well, you, you, it only takes two to, to turn the crazy person into a leader. You just need one follower, and then, uh, then the then the crazy person becomes a leader, and then you know then everyone follows the same thing. And once once it becomes the norm, it becomes the norm. And if the French king is you know allowing these to be built by the French church, which was the richest part of the church for a lot of uh, you know say the uh, you know the, the second millennia A.D. Um, that I mean I know everyone thinks the Vatican, but France was sort of the center of the Catholic world, Christendom, for a long time. Uh, Spain to a bit of a lesser extent, but uh, Fran- France was France was where the money was. France France was the uh, you know. Th- there's a reason all the Templar myths sort of uh, you know go to France. There's a reason why the you know the the Holy Grail and the, you know everything goes to France. France is where the money was. Yeah. So, ta-da! There, there, there's my fun little conspiracy of the day. You, you're you're taken aback. Um, I'm taking it in. I'm, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm reading right now about the, the different different thoughts that people had about you know what we talked about the, the my theory why they would use monsters instead of angels. They talked about that they weren't sure. Um, it's it's interesting that they seem to say that nobody was ever actually afraid of these monstrous images. They considered them to be on the side of humanity. Like every good con man. Like every good con man. Like every good con man. But that's fine. Listen, you don't have to adopt or agree with, with my, my theory. I'm not even sure I really believe it. I just think it's a fun little theory. I, 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 I'm a person of very few actually strong beliefs. I'm just curious and interested, and I think that that's a you know fun little theory that that, that 
fits at least partly into uh, my uh, Garden of Doom worldview. Worldview, I think I slurred that. Um, so, all right, let's move off of this and in, into some of the more fun stuff. Because you were about to segue us into the, the cartoon and some of the pop culture. And well, so I, actually, I was just thinking, kind of a gargoyle type. You watched Buffy, I assume. I have watched Buffy. I have watched Angel. Now, I, I I won't tell you that I I saw the movie for sure. I won't tell you that I watched Buffy or Angel regularly. I probably saw like most of a couple of seasons, but if it was on for seven years, maybe I saw two seasons of each show. There was an episode of Buffy where they had these uh, sculptures, kind of human side, and but if if you looked away from them and closed your eyes, they kill you. Did you ever see that one? I honestly don't remember, but it sounds a lot like Isaac in The Descent, so... I'm trying to remember the name of the episode. But it was really cool because these were, I mean, you could consider them gargoyles. Uh, they were stone creatures, but they were magically alive. But they could only, they were only alive if you weren't looking at them. Uh, they couldn't move under sight. So I'm wondering, uh, obviously, that, so they have these stone gargoyles on the building with the pipes coming out of their faces. And they're protecting, so people are not at the church 24-7. So any kind of really, I wonder if they, wonder if they really ascribe life to them. Or So when we look at, I remember when I uh, studied mythology, uh, read the Iliad and the Odyssey for a course in college, the prophet, I had always figured that the Greeks really legitimately thought these gods did these things. And his, our professor's perspective was their allegories. That um, Athena was, two gods of war, there's Athena and there's Ares. Uh, Ares was the, uh, not really the, the friend of humanity, and he was more from a distance, whereas Athena's the one whispering in your ear what to do. She, she was closer. Apollo was the killer from afar. He was the archer. And uh, it, whereas other gods were up close. And they were, according to this professor, they were meant to be allegories, and people didn't necessarily really believe they exist. I know in this country, now we have oh, countless people who believe every word of the Bible is true, and that the gods exist, and the angels exist, and, and it's all real, and Jesus was a real person who's coming back. But uh, it always makes me wonder how many cultures truly believe that the words of their religions are fact. Did you point out to your professor that Ares got injured on the battlefield fighting with the Greeks? I mean, it's hard to it's hard to call that an allegory. And by the way, what's with gods of war being not exactly not exactly the gods? I mean, even Tyr, the god of war in Norse mythology, had his hand bitten off by Fen Fenmir well before Ragnarok. He, he was feeding the darn thing. <laughs> he thought that it was his friend. You know, I, I think that humans, I don't think that we can identify with anything all-powerful. Uh, I, I went to a, a talk one time, this guy had written a book, and uh, he, he'd written it talking about Superman. And I... Uh, so I, I asked the question, I said, so Superman initially was just, well, he was not as strong as he was now. He could lift a car. He, was, he couldn't fly. 
I mean, the original Superman right. is nothing like what we have now. Exactly. Uh, it was not a god. But then, then he became so. And so my, my question was that to this author, do you think that they began to ascribe weaknesses, kryptonite, which has now become, in our society, a term for every weakness, sure. like Achilles' heel, uh, do you think that was so that people could identify with this otherwise invulnerable um, sort of personality devoid creature? Because he was a Boy Scout. He, Batman calls him a Boy Scout when he mocks Clark. He does it all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I asked him that question. Do you think we cannot identify with someone who's perfect and doesn't have weaknesses? He thought about it and he agreed. He said that he had never thought of it that way when he was writing his book. But so we have all these these creatures out there who we can identify with because they're strange, because they're different. As Jews, we can always identify with the outsider, with the misfit, because when, when our ancestors came to this country, they were the outsiders, they were the misfits. They weren't allowed to have friends who weren't Jewish. Right? My, my parents, someone asked me two days ago, one of my friends who grew up in Brooklyn Park said, uh, so do you? Parents have a lot of Goyim uh, friends. So they had zero. They weren't allowed to. Nobody. The, the Goyim wouldn't talk to them. They were shunned. Living like and my way is easier. Just don't have friends. Well, uh, that, that worked. But times have really changed, and people don't realize how different cultures were. And the things that we consider to be just ridiculous, and nobody would ever behave that way, is so not true. People can behave in any way. Frequently things we can't conceive of. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think that there's something to that that we can't conceive of anything all-powerful. I mean, comic books is a great example. I mean, you know, you and I are both the same age. So, I mean, I, I remember when the Black Panther was, was just an acrobat. The Scarlet Witch was not all that powerful. Doctor Strange was a wizard, but not all that powerful. Now, like, these are like, you know... You know, they, they, they have the power to destroy the, the universe. That wasn't the case. The Hulk maybe was the closest, but he was stupid. Um, you know, you know, uh, you know, everyone got Batman wasn't like Batman has slowly evolved basically into Iron Man. Um, yes. You know, so, uh, you know, Aquaman was a guy who swam in the water. Now he's, you know, basically, you know, he's not exactly Superman, but he's Superman lights. Um, he's a water god now. He's right. All powerful. Right. Water. Uh, you know, and, and the Flash, he ran fast. Now, now it's like the Flash can destroy eternity. Uh, the, the Flash can beat up Superman. What? 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 Do you, uh, it's like read the comic books. I'm like, I haven't read a comic book in thirty years. What do you? What do you, do you, do you no, I'm not going to do that. But um, so yeah, I mean, there was sort of an arms race in comic books to try to have your 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 heroes and villains ever more and more powerful, one, to get the, the audience to, to switch over, but two, so that you can figure out a way for your heroes, whether alone or combined, to be able to defeat the villains. Um, and I'm, I mean, I understand the attraction of that because one of my criticisms of the Sony Spider-Man movies, both pre the, the, the latest Tom Holland, uh, Marvel more involved ventures, but even a little bit still with, 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 the, the current Sony, Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man individual movies versus what he is in the MCU movies. But in, in almost all of the uh, 
you know, from the Andrew Garfield movies, uh, even some of the, the Tobey Maguire and in the Tom Holland movies, Spider-Man really never beats anyone. He just doesn't lose. And if you look in the MCU, yes, yeah, some heroes die and some heroes get wounded, but the heroes do, in fact, win in the end. And that's it. And it's not that they don't lose. They win. Um, and that's sort of the, the difference to me, uh, you know, in why I maybe enjoy certain, some of the movies more than others. But I think that's that sort of describes the arms race here. How we got on this and where it ties back into Gargoyles, I'm not sure. But I know that it, it was sort of, you know, uh, on, on your thesis that maybe man can't really, we like to say that we, we have an all-powerful God, but we, we, we can't conceive of what that means. So, it, you know, basically the answer is God has a plan. You know, it's all part of God's plan. Just have faith. And that, and that sort of, you know, we, we can't understand what we can't understand, but we can, we can understand evil, um, you know, in, in you know, on levels of evil. And, and maybe that's where you're going with it. Well, we talk about, not being able to identify with Superman, you talk about Daredevil being my favorite. Is that, and, and then to a similar way, Captain Kirk in the J.J. Abrams reboot of Star Trek, uh, in that first movie, he doesn't win a single fight. He's getting his ass kicked by everybody, but he keeps getting up. And that's what we as a culture love. Daredevil has essentially no superpowers. He's deeply, deeply morally conflicted. Because of his Catholicism, his being a defense lawyer, and then his taking people down as a superhero. Uh, he's so incredibly damaged, yet that's what, that's his appeal. Right. He's and borderline sociopath, whereas Batman is total sociopath. Batman's total, right. He, well, but not even kill. Right. So, Except Batman won't kill. Right. That, that's his, though, I, I mean, it, it is incomprehensible to me that Batman hasn't accidentally killed people along the way. But we've seen him knock people off things where they had to die. And huh. uh, same with Daredevil. You knock someone off a catwalk, he's going to die. You'd, you'd think. You know, it's it's at least reckless endangerment, you know, that they're going to fall on a rebar or something. I, I would have a tough time defending that for uh, lack of, uh, I mean, it's the least manslaughter. Yeah, I, I I would think so. Yeah, vigilanteism is is that's a tough sell. That's a tough sell. Though uh, I don't know. I guess it depends. I guess it depends on which county you're in, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But there's certainly depends with state you're in. In Texas, it's fine. Okay, as long as you have a gun. Well, well, as long as you're standing your ground. I mean, Daredevil. I mean, would stand your ground. If you're Superman, are you ever standing your ground? Because nothing can hurt you. So interesting. Interesting legal issues presented here on Garden. See, the legal theme shows are usually Garden views, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. But my first, probably real introduction to Gargoyles was a movie I think from 1972 or 1973, and my memory of it is so good. And so bad at the same time. So I recently rewatched it, maybe two weeks ago. It was free on YouTube or Tubi, some, something, something free that I hit search or you know and and cl click, and it was free um, with limited commercials. And I remember a lot of it really, really well. But for some reason, I remembered the hero to look more like uh, a young Brian Keith. He actually looked more like Ricardo Montalban. Um, maybe that was just my uh, 
my uh, white supremacy coming you know, into play with my memory. Uh, maybe it's because when I was five, I really didn't pay much attention to the hero. I was, I was just paying attention to the monsters. Um, but I remembered exactly the, the, the plot and the eggs and, and how the, 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 the female gargoyle sort of got jealous because the male gargoyle sort of wanted to mate with the daughters of Adam, with human females, just like the Old Testament and the Anunnaki legend. And, and by the way, in, in that movie, which I did not remember, in the beginning, they made up an entire mythology of the gargoyles. They actually made them the fallen angels and, and, and the demons, or at least that's how humans uh, uh, translated them. But, you know, that, that, that's, they made that entire part up, um, which is fascinating because it's, I mean, it's only, you know, it's a pretty large step from where I was going, but it's at least on the same path. Um, maybe, maybe that did stick with me somewhere. But basically, they were like cicadas, except their their uh, incubation period or the gestation period was like ten thousand years or so, so, something like that. It, w- it wasn't quite ten thousand years, but it was like you know, and they could track like every time that there were plagues or 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 uh, reports of like you know vampire attacks or you know or massive children disappearances or whatever. They, they, they match with the uh, hatching period of, of the gargoyles, and apparently the gargoyles, you know, they grew. To full adulthood within a matter of days, right? Um, but the well, the, the, that's much better for screenplay. Oh, so I'm, I'm looking. I pulled it up on Wikipedia. I, I don't think I ever saw this. I'm, I'm impressed by two things. Number one, Scott Glenn mm-hmm. was in it. Young yeah. Scott Glenn. He he was like he was like the biker when I first saw him. I'm like, is that David Carradine or Keith Carradine? No, it's not. I know that face. It's the same guy. I, I think they're the same person. Except he had no muscles then. Scott Glenn now is like a, a wiry old man. You know, he's like he's he's like 120 pounds, but it looks like he was like a, a, a featherweight. And then the other thing is, so this talks about that the gargoyle, um, the gargoyle folklore. Uh, Uncle Willie's uh, describing in the demons from American Indian folklore, mm-hmm. which I'm not aware of American Indians. Having gargoyles, but they wouldn't have called them that. Right, they wouldn't have called them gargoyles. I mean, you know, uh, you know, you, you have uh, Thunderbirds and Quetzalcoatl in, in, in First Nations mythos, but you know, in, in uh, you know, in Sumerian, Egyptian, and, and Canaanite, you have golden eagles, you know, and, and chariots of fire, uh, you know, pulled by golden eagles. So, you know, what's what's the difference? Jews have the rock. Everyone has a giant bird, firebird. Right. ROC. Rock. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, listen, when you're talking to me and you say the rock, I'm thinking, yes, I, I know. Yeah, the thing about, okay. yeah, you know, can you smell what the rock is cooking? But, uh, oh my God, you know what? I must have seen this movie because now I'm looking at some some screenshots. Yes, that's very familiar. Well, look at the screenshot of the gargoyle. That's how he's identified, just as the gargoyle. Yeah. And tell me that the vampire in Midnight Mass was not modeled after that. Uh, 100%. It's uncanny. Um, it, it's it's phenomenal. And, you know, like gargoyles and vampires very possibly, you know, sprout from the, the same myth, which, of course, ties into, you know, my thesis of the, you know, uh, you know, of everything's the same. You know, you, they just have different names. It, it, you're 100% right. Uh yeah, so I'm looking at this with the skeleton they found of the, 
of the progenitor of the gargoyles. It, it, okay, I have to watch this movie now. It, listen, yeah. it's it's not a long movie. It it's it's not a good movie, but you'll enjoy it. I mean, it's you know, it's a you know, back then when they made the grade D movies, you you had you know your your Godfathers, and then you had your you know your Jason the Argonauts, and then you had your Godzillas, and then you had something, then you had like Discount Godzilla, you had the Ganora, and the, this, well, okay, well, how about Sinbad? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Sinbad, I think was like you know on par with the with the mythology movies, but this is like Discount Planet of the Apes, yeah, or Island of Doctor Moreau. I, I was thinking of the animation uh, from Sinbad. It was essentially like almost stop action claymation. He's fighting like the giant spider. It's start and stop. <laughs> well, this was, was like the original Clash of the Titans. This was this was more like the Slee stacks. They were people in rubber costumes, rubber yes. suits. Looks like rubber. Yeah, it is. It's it's tall. That can't be comfortable. No, it's not comfortable. It's not exactly good, but it's it, but it's. Fun. I mean, I, I actually would love for this movie to be remade. I'm just afraid who would remake it and what they would, you know, try to do with the boat. Me, I can. Perfect executive producer. Oh, I'll, I'll executive produce. I just, I'm not, go. I'm not going to direct or anything like that. Um, but I, I do want a cameo. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. So where else in pop culture? So obviously this this cartoon gargoyles, I obviously don't know much about it. Um, but if I understand, I mean the title is gargoyles, so obviously they were heroes. Well, so interesting. Uh, yes, they were. Well, when they awaken New York in modern day Manhattan, they are heroes and they want to fight and they start patrolling. Here's the interesting thing. Jonathan Frake's character is is a, a bad guy, but he approaches and befriends them and convinces them that he's a good guy. And these are very naive creatures. So once they trust him, they trust him completely. And uh, I've only gotten a few episodes in, but I think they're going to start... Look, like, he has them go and steal some disks, some early, early computer disks, <laughs> so that he can but they, they don't know why they're doing it. He gives them some story. And I think it, he's trying to take over or destroy things. And I'm guessing they'll, in one of the next two seasons, they'll figure it out. They're useful so idiots. Uh, it, it, it's so that the chief gargoyle, his name is Goliath, which is funny because they even mention when they're talking, when, because most of the original cultures hated uh, the gargoyles, that they feared them. Even when they were helping uh, them, they still feared and hated them. So they were saying you can trust Goliath. And this woman, oh, God, who was the actress? Uh, this woman says, well, the, the, the original Goliath was, uh, was evil. Said, and, and he lost. Like, yeah, that's true. It's not necessarily a great name. Yeah, well, I mean, evil's a question of perspective. If you were a Philistine, maybe you don't think it was evil. But uh, the... Uh, the, you know, I, I'm reading some of the stuff that you, you provided, and, and I never really put this together, but the gargoyles stone to to animation, uh, meaning living, not cartoon necessarily, uh, are like golems made, made of, you know, mud or clay and, and become animated. Um, yeah, 100%. But the truth of the matter is, is anybody who, I mean, 
all of us, if you believe any, almost every mythology, I mean, Norse, o- Odin made humans out of driftwood and then is, then got bored and walked away. And his two brothers, you know, basically gave uh, the ability to move and to, and to think, um, you know, Adam was made of the soil. I mean, Adama literally means earth, like so, earth soil. Uh, and so Adam was, you know, for, for a while, Adam was called the Adam, uh, you know, uh, until they decided to uh, populate. And then they just became singular Adam because there was, there was no one else. Um, you know, unless you're a strict interpreter of, of the years of the Jewish calendar, which we're not going to get into, into that today because um, I don't understand. Uh, but we have lots of things that sort of came from dirt or sprouted. I mean, horses came from seed foam, you know, from Poseidon. So, you know, creating life out of the elements is hardly... Um, limited to the gargoyle or, or anything evil or, or even supernatural, unless you think that humans are supernatural. Well, um, if we were created by supernatural, I, I guess there is stardust within us. But it, it, it is what I took from comparative religions course, in fact, where I met Max White in college. And it is fascinating how similar religions are cultures that never met the, the Norse and the Greeks. They never interacted before they had their religions, but there are just certain, there is one kind of chief God who did this. And then he has assistants, whether they're angels or other gods who, who do that. And, uh, it, I guess in human nature, we must be somehow compelled for something. And then look at all, all the things we have nowadays with robots. We're creating life. That then accompanies us and protects us and does our bidding, the same as they did a couple thousand years ago. Just like Isaac Asimov and whoever wrote The Terminator told us not to do. Right. The laws of robotics. I mean, in The Matrix. I mean, people right now are, are tripping over themselves to for cryptocurrency and NFTs, which are all based on some egalitarian theory of, of The Matrix, which, of course, is not egalitarian. Yes, as egalitarian as it would like to be. The, the first one's in, it's, I mean, it's like a giant pyramid scheme, just cyber. The first one's in, your, your dollars are always worth more. So they're going to be the, well, cyber nobility. You know, yes. if this lasts, they'll be the cyber nobility. They'll be the Habsburgs, you know, for the next 2,000 years. I mean, there's nothing egalitarian about it. It's, a, it, it's all timing. Now, like anything else, you know, if you were not rich before and you got in early, you're, you're cyber rich now. Um, but, uh, you know, so just like, you know, the, the skilled barbarian, you know, later became the wealthy landholder and nobility, uh, because they were the skilled barbarian at some point or their ancestors were. So it's the same thing here. You just got luckier. You were smarter. You're just like, eh, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll give this a shot. Lottery doesn't work. Uh, I've got 200 bucks. I'll buy 200 things of Bitcoin. Now it's worth 30,000 or 60,000 a shot. Sure. It was worth. 400,000 each a while ago, but still you put $200 down and now each one of those dollars is worth $60,000. You have a pretty good return on investment. Way you can spend it, I'm not sure, or how you spend it, I'm not sure. I mean, that, that and how that's accounted for tax-wise, I, I'm further not sure. Um, but the, the, those are all topics for another day. The one thing I know is that 
the people who I've talked to about cryptocurrency who seem to be expert in the area, whether they're advocates or skeptics, uh, all agree on one thing. It's not an investment to be used to buy stuff, which sort of defeats the purpose in my mind of an investment. It, yeah. if, if anything, it's an investment in some sort of alternative, better future where we could all live like we're Jay-Z, you know, except it's in the Oculus world. I listened to a whole podcast about cryptocurrency. Hopefully mine. And, it left, and I still don't understand. Hopefully it was mine. Well, if it wasn't mine, hopefully if you listened to mine. Oh, uh, well, because well, actually, I do think maybe it was yours. Uh, it, this guy's talking about how you mine for it, but then what do you do with it? But you can get it without mining for it. You can buy it with regular dollars. It's I don't I don't see the benefit unless it's for black dark web purchasing. What a, it, it's it's based loosely on some theory that everybody has to buy in. And as long as everyone buys in, I mean, it's not that different from world governments recognizing currency, except there's no, the world government is everybody who participates in the blockchain. So it's, it's sort of like a singularity, a collective singularity, if that makes any sense, versus, you know, 195 countries or whatever it is, more or less, you know, recognizing other currencies, you know, except for like North Korea, which you know, doesn't recognize any other currencies, but would love to find, you know, as much outside currencies as they could get their hands on. Um, I don't think there's any gargoyles in cryptocurrency, though. So, uh, uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know them all. Apparently, there's like a thousand or more. Right. Now, do you, the flying monkeys in The Wizard of Oz, sort of gargoyle-like, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, we don't know if, if they become dormant at some point, but yes. I mean, they're, they're clearly modeled on uh, gargoyles. Yeah, I, I I would think so. I mean, they, and they sort of serve uh, an evil leader, uh, at least one witch. There was no indication the other witches had their own armies of flying monkeys. Oh, uh, it's a pretty much her. Yeah. What, is how, that... I, I, how about the Hawkman from uh, Flash Gordon? Oh, my God. I remember. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. Oh, my God. And they, 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 their wings move so slow, yet they, they didn't fall down. Unbelievable. Oh, that was... One of the best soundtracks ever. I mean, come on, Queen. Yeah, it was like uh, what was the movie? Was it Barbarella where they had the the angel Duran Duran or, or the, the... It might have been Barbarella. Yeah, that's where the Duran Duran name came from, right? right. The, the angel wings move the same way as the Hawkman, like barely barely moved at all. Actually, actually, in Gargoyles, the wings barely moved at all. Uh, come come to think of it, so uh, I don't know. Wonder if the wings are just. Uh, more more decorative than anything else. I mean, in Lovecraft, all these creatures had wings, but the wings were mostly for like interstellar or interdimensional yeah. like cells more than anything else. Though they could make them, uh, apparently they could change their size at whim to change their little baby wings into wings that were the size of, you know, basically, you know, between both sides, the wingspan, basically, the you know, the size of a continent. So uh, that's, that's a nifty power to have. Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. Have Did you see any? Ways. You see any parallel between the the Lovecraft, uh, you know, the the Cthulhu and the other Titans images, and and some of the other creatures and gargoyles? Well, yeah, the, the, they're they're grotesque. They are uh, they embody elemental 
fierce to, to look at. Um, and the Lovecraftian is uh, Cthulhu. It's, I saw. I, I, I read that again recently. Um, I don't think that. I, I think there was a lot of story there. I don't think with gargoyles there was as much thought given to them. I think they were mainly just images, graven images, that could somehow or another keep the church safe. Whereas mm-hmm. Cthulhu and, and all his folks, they had a goal. So you're going more with the uh, scarecrow theory. It's a scarecrow. You know, the, the, that, that is the Occam's razor. You know, yeah. Reasoning. And for anyone out there who doesn't know what Occam's razor means, it's basically the simplest explanation is usually the one that's right. Well, we really haven't seen any evidence of more than that, though. So uh, we, it'll be conjecture. Depends what you consider evidence. But, but yeah, but, you know, of course not. I mean, you could look at the history of humanity's inhumanity to itself and everything around it, and you could call that evidence. Well, uh, my thought on a more specific uh, <laughs> line is that not all gargoyles were uh, graven demonic looking. Things. Some of them were look uh, more human. Some of them were things. Uh, not not all uh, winged creatures, scary creatures that that tended to develop more. So I'm thinking it was just a, a practical thing that they made look cool. And then if you're gonna make it look really cool, make it look scary. And hey, if it's scary. It's scaring something. Did you ever read the descent? Okay, you need to read the descent, and you need to, you, and we need to come back and talk about it. Because first of all, I need to have a show on the descent, and I mentioned it so many times here. It's by Jeff Long, and you know th- th- this offers another explanation of everything that goes bump in the night, I- including ancient aliens, vampires, gargoyles, abductions, which whatever whatever you want to think about, it's answered in, in that book in within the the construct and logic of, it's of a series. It says. Uh, there's two, uh, but you, uh, I read deeper. It was enjoyable, but not satisfactory. I mean, like if I was to do it again, I would just read the descent and, and stop. Okay. But that's just me. But if there's a third book, I don't know about it. And I check periodically. Well, I guess two could be a series. Or maybe they were combined for this edition. Uh, 592 pages. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Read it and get back to me, but you, you'll definitely see the gargoyle parallels and of different sizes and shapes um, and anatomies, which is, you know, consistent with what you're saying. Hey, listen, it, the, the fact that there's different shapes and images, some more human, some others, that doesn't hurt my theory. It only helps it. It makes, it makes them more easy to pass through. But you're right. There's no evidence. We haven't seen any fly down or, or walk off of the walls and you know, surround us and torment us in lakes of fire or anything like that. But maybe they don't need to because we do it to ourselves. I'm going to buy it now. You are the man. You are the man. You're a man of action. Have phone will travel. Oh, absolutely. That's I know. You're, you're, you're a biker. You're a lawyer. You're, you're a martial artist. You're a world traveler. You go to concerts. It's like, it's like there's only one life and you're living it. It's weird. Yeah. Um, if you're going to do it, you're, and I have so many, when I think back, and I suspect you're the same, I think back on my childhood, uh, all the things I didn't do because I was intimidated because I didn't think people would want to do anything with me. And I look back and say, man, look at all those years when I was healthy. It didn't hurt every day. All the things I could have done. 
I do think a little bit like that, but then I look at what I do and most of it I still do from my couch and then the, and, and, but I don't think I've ever had more fun than doing these podcasts and just being 53, but living like I'm 23. Jeff Long. Yeah. So, so everyone out there should read The Descent and listen, I'm as lazy as the next person out there, but it's, you can't do it on Audible. You, this, this is something you have to read. There's some, there's some books you can do on Audible. Um, I mean, unless you are a great listener that you can tune out everything else and not fall asleep. This, this, so, you, you know, some of the finest podcasts have book clubs, like Paul Poundstone has a book club. So I think we need to have a Garden of Doom book club. Well, if, if, if we do, this is book one. This is book one in the Garden of Doom uh, book club on that's on fiction and book number two I was going to go with some I'll go with one of my guests book uh, Reverend Jim Willis's Censoring God is book number two um, on sort of a easier to read less repetitive blending of uh, this Sitchin Hancock uh, Von Donegan concepts although they they those authors go in, in very different directions, um, especially Von Danigan and Hancock from each other. Um, my, my theory is that it doesn't really matter which, but uh, I guess I'm more, more of a Von, Von Danigan uh, Sitchinite uh, than a, a Hancockian. And I just like saying Cockian because I'm stupid. I don't know why you wouldn't. Well, well one of my favorite—that's uh, what we get along. <laughs> one of my favorite mythological monsters is the cockatrice. Because why not? Well, tell, tell, tell us about the cockatrice. Cockatrice—it uh, turns people to stone. It's another kind of basilisk kind of thing. Okay. Well, you know, a lot of stone turning here. Well, aside the, aside from the gray gargoyle in the in the Marvel books, I, I don't think gargoyles are thought of to have the properties of turning. One to stone, but I'm not sure. I guess you can attribute any properties to them that, that one likes. No, yeah, I think he was only went by the name because he was stone when he rubbed, rubbed himself. He looked like a gargoyle. He looked like a gargoyle. Oh, he, yeah, he, he was bad. He was bad dude. You know, it's it's hard. It's hard to fight something of rocks, but he he was stronger than the thing. who's also something of rocks. He's very strong. So I was looking up. Uh, so. To tie this into gargoyles, in theory, they, they would live forever, that they're immortal. So I was looking up different immortal superheroes, and one of the things that always tickled me, Plastic Man, Elongated Man, and probably Mr. Fantastic, although that never came up, they were immortal. They, they couldn't be hurt uh, with the rubberized bodies, and they would live forever. Uh, they say the thing was actually immortal in rock form. Because you and I didn't follow this, but in more recent times, the thing had some interaction with some all-powerful creature, and he can now, one day a year, he's human. And when he's human, he ages a day. But then the rest of the year, he doesn't age. So he's, yeah, he's essentially immortal now. All these people are immortal. Nightcrawler is immortal now, just because. Okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't know these things. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's, it's the superhero arms race. Um, 
I don't really understand how the rubberized thing would make you immortal. And like, what if like you were too close to a nuclear blast? I mean, no matter how far you could stretch, you'd still be incinerated. Did Deadpool was, oh, but, but right, that, that's a different reason. Um, I, I don't know that this was something that was covered. Maybe it was on in Flash. It might have been on the TV show, but maybe I read it elsewhere. I just remember he was immortal. Well, if Deadpool was completely incinerated, I mean, wouldn't you have to have like some living cells or stem cells or whatever makes him in to be able to regenerate? I mean, if you turn to ash, wouldn't you just remain ash? Uh, no. No? No, the theory is he would come back. And potentially even Wolverine would. It would just take longer than Deadpool. Uh, although Wolverine did die from being incinerated in one timeline. I don't know. I don't know, man. It could be all kinds of things. Yeah, well, the nice thing about comic books is that they don't have to make sense. Um, and maybe that's why I left comic books. Maybe it was right on the cusp of when they started not making sense on, on the regular. And I mean beyond just like, you know, uh, you know, Superman has this many powers and, you know, and radiation didn't cause cancer. It just caused superpowers. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, I, 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 can, I can go a little, uh, you know, afar. I can accept a lot in my suspension of disbelief only so much. I'm, I'm still a bit linear in in my thinking. Um, aside from my earlier little conspiracy, even that little conspiracy theory, it, it, it's it, it's just a diversion way back when as to you know just just a, a big trick you know some millennia ago. Um, when that point was, you know, you can decide whether it was you know you know, after the death of Christ, or if it was, you know, uh, you know, 6,000 years ago or 12,000 years ago or whenever. Um, but it's just a, just a division of, of thought at, at one singular point. It, it isn't all that difficult to go there. Uh, you may not accept it, but it, it, it's not that complicated. It's not like British science fiction, layers and layers. It's not like Inception, where it's a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream. It's more like, the, it's more like the Matrix. There's just there's just one conspiracy, and, and once you figure it out, you figure it out. Which is, I like my conspiracy simple too, which is probably a better way to keep a conspiracy a conspiracy. Because you know what they say about secrets. Two people know you have a secret, three people knows, everybody knows. That's so true. Yeah, well, that's why it's what a cliche. If, what if it's one person who has multiple personalities? Can you keep the secret? I, well, as long as they're only talking amongst itself then yes what's itself you know, as long as they're using their their in, indoor voice their inside voice is then sure now if one of them's a blabbermouth then no unless they're a blabbermouth only to one person right it, it all works so any any final thoughts on gargoyles do you think we've gone as far as we can with gargoyles they're they're either far more nefarious than you think or they're much less uh, mystical and, and nefarious than maybe you thought before. I, I think we I think we have to leave that up to your legions of listeners. That is fine. I like the, the Legion of Doom. Did they never use that before? That, that, that has a nice ring to it, Legion of Doom. I, it, it does. I mean, you can almost picture a lovely edifice kind of shaped like a black man's head or something. Huh. Yeah. I need to work on, I need to get an architect with that. Uh, and, and some land in international waters. I, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I did an interview with, um, the, the professor of the law of the sea Institute from Berkeley and 
I think she got a little frustrated with me because she didn't want to do hypotheticals, which editorial I think is a little bit strange for a law professor who tests people using hypotheticals. Uh, but my hypothetical was what if there was a Bond-like villain who built like a Legion of Doom lair in international waters? It was affixed to the seabed. You know, is that even illegal? Could anyone do anything about it? And she wanted to talk about how the technology is in there. I'm like, forget about the technology. That's, yeah, that's just, not the right way to approach it. Just, just, that's a cop-out. Yeah, it was a cop-out. Um, you know, I, you know, well, it was from Berkeley. So I think that there was a lot of, you know, progressive liberalism in there that, that, that no, everybody should act good. And I, I think that was at the heart of she didn't even want to play in, in those. I tried to give her an out to forget the seabed, just build it on, on the, the Arctic Circle. You know, where, where, you know, the ice is still part of the water, but you could theoretically build something on top of it, like Santa. Um, but she didn't want to go there either. But, uh, yeah, uh, I have to talk to an architect about my own uh, Legion of Doom type edifice and um, where to place it in international waters. Because apparently nobody can actually do anything about it or tell me that it's illegal or trespassing. Uh, I just, uh, you know, sort of like when Elon goes to Mars and puts his flag up there wearing Marvin Martian's outfit and puts a flag on there and says, I clear this planet in the name of me. Who's to say no? Nobody. No, no one's to say no uh, unless the, you know, 12 guys he brings with him with the projectile weapons turn on him like uh, the Roman Senate and shoot him in the back. And then, and then the last barbarian standing, then he claims it or she. And they become the nobility of the future. Uh, derived from barbarism. So we're, we're tying it back to an earlier part of the conversation. All right, Mitchell, I thank you for your indulgence. I thank you for talking to me. Uh, tell the folks where they can find you if you want to be found and, and what they might want to find you for. You could find me at Mitch at lawchampion.com. That would be my rejuvenated website. Uh, for my business, you can find me on Facebook, Mitchell A. Greenberg, uh, Law Champion one on Instagram, and that's it. Other other than invisible. Yeah, is there a particular song that we should use for this that you think maybe the theme from the Gargoyles cartoon, or should I find the the theme from the movie, or do you have something else in mind? How about Turn to Stone? Ooh, uh, yellow, good one. All right, see, he's a genius, folks. All right, folks, thank you for checking it out. Check out my wrestling podcast at Hammerlock. Well, Hammerlock Hangover. If you like wrestling, if you don't, don't. also, check out Garden of Garden Views. If you subscribe to Garden of Do, you get Garden Views anyway. It's on the same feed. Um, and that's more of what I would call a mainstream show than Garden of Doom, though. There's been plenty of times where you probably couldn't tell the difference, which is why I created Garden Views, so that at least me internally, I could tell the difference. Um, but thank you for tuning in. Please rate, review, give us five stars, both on Spotify and Apple. Tell your friends. Make referrals, share the show. Uh, this is a genre-defined show, uh, so algorithmically it's challenged, but referrals and reviews really help. So thank you all very much. Enjoy the wonderful tunes of ELO coming up, and we will certainly see Mitchell in the future. Here you next week.
the Australian way this Easter at Coles. And to help make your Easter shopping easier, we've added thousands of extra home delivery windows and thousands of extra click and collect windows. Shop online at coles.com.au.